Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we're talking about your 25 and 29 Detroit Pistons. Uh, Ben and I talk about Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond's renewed play of late. We go over our expectations for the wing rotation after the trade deadline and the addition of Wayne Ellington, and then we go over our favorite memories of departed Piston Henry Ellenson. Uh, That last part does not take very long. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Uh, Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what you all are talking about. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which is something you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host, Lazarus Jackson. I am pleased today to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Uh, ben, how are you doing? Doing good, Laz. Twice in a week. This is, this is good to hear your voice twice in a week. I like it. Uh, the thing I'm thinking about this week is, what is a win streak? I don't even remember what this feels like. Am I supposed to be happy? I, the if you listen to other uh, media outlets, you you should not be happy about oh, the current okay. win streak. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you don't want to listen to them, you, you can absolutely enjoy what you want to enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, we should reset. Uh, it feels like we've been talking about trades and fake trades and actual trades and uh, not trades that didn't happen. I feel like we've been talking about that for like three weeks. So we should reset. Detroit is twenty five and twenty nine, four games under five hundred. A half game out of the eighth seed. Uh, They might have the eighth seed by the end of tonight because the Miami Heat play the Golden State Warriors, and we know how that's going to go. They're a game and a half out of the seventh seed and two and a half games out of the sixth seed, believe it or not. Uh, It felt like Brooklyn was winning, you know, 15 straight games at some point, but they're still, you know, two and a half games back of Brooklyn, which is crazy to think about. Um and like you mentioned, uh, the Pistons are on a win streak. It feels like an eternity ago again, but uh, they beat the number one seed in the West Denver Nuggets by more than 20 points to start last week. And then they beat the Knicks uh, twice this week to finish on a three-game winning streak for the first time since uh, late November, early December. The last time they won three or more straight games was when they won five straight games, which of course was culminated with that win over the Warriors in the first game of December. Um, Ben, I don't know what this looks like to you. uh, So I want to ask, is this just three wins in a row due to a quirk of the schedule or does this team look like it's playing better? 
Well, I mean, playing the Knicks twice, you know, in a back-to-back scenario especially, certainly helps, right? The Knicks aren't trying to win, so getting two wins against them, getting two games against them back-to-back certainly helps. Uh, but they also played well against the Knicks, I, I think particularly on Friday. Um, you know, the Knicks put up a little bit of a fight in the third quarter, but otherwise it was a pretty dominant performance. So uh, that's positive. Um, first thing I want to mention is shout out to Ish Smith and Jose Calderon because, um, you know, this is as much about Jose Calderon not being in the lineup. It is about Ish Smith being in the lineup for me. Um, Ish just does such a better job with the second unit and him being back just, just helps tremendously. You've sort of chronicled, you know, some of that analysis that's happened in the DBB comments about how poorly people play when they're playing with Jose Calderon. That goes away uh, when Ish Smith is back. But that win against Denver was huge to me. Uh, a couple things stand out there. You know, when they shoot the ball well from three, the Pistons tend to win. We've been saying that all season. They shot the lights out against Denver from three in particular, better than 42%. And then they shot really well from two as well. Uh, but secondly, what really stands out to me is how much of a team effort it was. Blake was the fourth leading scorer in that game, which was really a route of one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, so you had lots of guys contributing. Uh, Andre Drummond was big. That was one of Stanley Johnson's best games as a Piston, ironically. Uh, and Lanston Galloway was also pretty solid in that as well. So that had to feel good for Blake Griffin. Uh, as much as he's carried this team this season and, and been the constant in the highs and lows, that that was a hugely uh, impressive team win. Um, you know, is it long-term? You know, does this mean the team has turned a corner? I'm not there yet. Uh, this is a flawed team that's, I think, going to have some some games and some stretches where they don't look particularly good. Uh, but as you laid out, you know, the last several games, I, I think we have seen some signs of life, and that's a positive thing. Yeah, I definitely think that one guy we've seen signs of life from in particular has been Reggie Jackson. Uh, Reggie Jackson, since his uh, infamous uh, postgame brouhaha uh, after the New Orleans game, uh, he's averaging 19 points and six assists a game. He's shooting 48% from the floor and 44% from three. Uh, He looks physically uh, much better than he has uh, all season. It's gotten to the point where the, the broadcast team, George and Greg, has made note of it. Uh, when when they had Ed Stefanski on for the second Knicks game to talk about the trade deadline, Ed was uh, was raving about how Reggie had looked and saying that, you know, that when they were working with Arnie Kander in the offseason, um, he was telling them that Reggie Jackson, you know, wouldn't look fully healthy until about January 1st. And, you know, it's a month after that, but we're, we're starting to finally see uh, what a healthy Reggie Jackson means uh, for the Pistons. So I guess what, what does what does Reggie give the Pistons when healthy in your mind, Ben? Yeah, well, there's certainly that part of me that is feeling over Reggie Jackson. I felt like that for a while now. But, you know, that part of me that wants the Pistons to be successful, which is the, you know, the bigger part of any Pistons fan, uh, is really happy and, and is pulling for Reggie to have a great second half of the season. I think if he's healthy, the Pistons get first and foremost sort of this infamous mythical secondary ball handler, right, that you and I have been talking about for what feels like forever. (laughs) But it's really only been since we acquired Blake Griffin a year ago. But, um, you know, what we've seen this season in particular 
is teams have been having a lot of success against the Pistons simply by shading everyone toward Blake Griffin, right? Just throw everybody toward Blake's side of the floor. Uh, and and if, if the Pistons just shoot the ball really well, we'll live with that. But more often than not, they're not going to shoot the ball well. And so Detroit's going to struggle, and they've had very little to, to counter that defensive strategy. You know, if Reggie's healthy, right, and you pointed out he looks like he might be, um, and if he's able to attack with the ball in his hands, that adds an entirely new level, an entirely new layer of complexity to the Pistons' offense. And it gives you a direct counter to this idea that you can just throw everyone at, at Blake Griffin and swarm him, and then Pistons won't have anything to do about it, right? He gives you an entirely different look, an entirely different option. You know, we've even seen some hints of the pick and roll with Andre Drummond coming back into the offense, which a lot of us have been clamoring for all season. And I think when you combine that with, you know, Luke Kennard, who's sort of been, had this resurgence of aggressiveness and doing things with the ball, moving without the ball and passing the ball really well, you add Ish Smith into the mix with the second unit. He really transforms that second unit. Um, the Pistons' offense as a whole, as a result of all of that, gets a lot more dynamic. See, I wonder if the offensive dynamism is its a little bit of chicken and egg, right? Like Reggie wasn't playing as well, and he, he didn't look to have the explosiveness he once did, and that's why they weren't leveraging the, the pick and roll with him as much as maybe they, they should have been in the past. Um, but we've also seen like some some other creative things offensively that lead me to believe like they were just kind of waiting on on Reggie to be healthy. We've seen Blake operate in the in the pick and roll as the role man uh, much mm-hmm. more in the last three weeks than I think we've seen at any time uh, during the season. We saw uh, I remember just like one play against the Knicks. We saw a Reggie Jackson under Drummond uh, pick and roll. Oh you no, know, so we saw Reggie Jackson Blake Griffin pick and roll. And then Reggie passed uh, down on the block to Andre, who like immediately like ooped it up to Blake for a layup. It's like that just is the fully like leveraging every aspect of those three guys playing together. And it doesn't it doesn't work if the defense doesn't, you know, respect Reggie's driving ability or respect Reggie's scoring ability. And so, again, I'm a little stuck on the chicken and egg. I I know that we've uh, we've taken our fair share of shots at Dwayne Casey and he's taking his fair share of lumps uh, throughout the season. But uh, I do wonder how much of this was he was holding in reserve for when he felt like he had a better, better point guard play uh, to rely on. But yeah, that's a fair point for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, another guy who's been benefiting from Reggie Jackson's newfound health and explosiveness is Andre Drummond. Uh, Since, you know, since he came back from his own injury, uh, he was, he was concussed in that Miami game and missed a couple games. Uh, he's averaging 21 points and 15 rebounds with about four stocks, steals plus blocks a game. Uh, he had 29 points and 20 rebounds uh, against the Knicks in his last game. Uh, ben, have you noticed Andre doing anything anything differently offensively during this hot streak? Or, or what's going on? Yeah, so I've noticed a few things. Um, the first thing is just how efficient he's been over the short span of games. Um, this, I'm not sure if it's a result of a bit of a hot streak or, you know, it, it's uh, something fundamentally is changing, but I just want to shout it out. You know, the last three games, you, you mentioned 21 and 15 with the four stocks, but he's done that on 12 field goal attempts, 14 field goal attempts, and 15 field goal attempts over those games. 
Um, you know, 15 may seem a little, a little bit high for his shot attempts, but he was making shots, so I'll live with it. He was also 11 for 15 from the line. So shooting the ball really well, uh, knocking down his free throws, and I don't think taking necessarily any bad shots. You know, that most recent game against the Knicks, which I think was Friday, if that's right, uh, I mean, he was absolutely dominant. He was fantastic, 29-20, and 20, as you mentioned. Um, but then what I would also point out is I think Reggie Jackson being healthy, right? If Reggie's healthy and he's turned the corner physically, that's huge for Andre. Um, early in the season, Andre took his lumps, right, for, for all of the shots he was taking. Uh, we saw him forcing a lot of shots, taking looks that just were not necessarily high quality. Um, but as the team has gotten healthy, which has meant, meant Luke Kennard uh, reemerging into the lineup, becoming more aggressive, uh, the recent play of Reggie Jackson, uh, you know, Reggie Bullock coming back, I think contributed to this as well. What we've seen with respect to Andre Drummond in the midst of all that is a pretty significant decline in his field goal attempts. And I think, you know, several weeks ago when there was all the brouhaha about we need to train Andre Drummond, I think this decline in his um, shot attempts was getting overlooked. And when you look at the splits, you can look at this over the course of 10 games very easily on NBA.com. In the first 10 games of the season, Dre was taking almost 16 shots a game. That's nuts. That's way, way too many. Um, but that has been dropping. You know, Every 10 games, it's dropped a little. It's dropped a little to the point where over the last 20 or so games, he's only taken a little over 12 shots a game, which is, I think, a, a really good sweet spot for him. And those you know, three to four shots that he's eliminated from his game are mostly the shots we would want to see him eliminate from his game, right? So I think what I'm going to be tuned into this last, you know, this last chunk of the season, particularly around Andre Drummond is, you know, Reggie Jackson attacking with the basketball in his hands, Luke Kennard, hopefully playing more significant minutes, continuing to be aggressive, moving without the ball and passing. I'm hoping that that sort of stuff keeps Andre Drummond's offense in check, right? And, and if that does, it, it means he's missing less shots, which I think will energize him. And hopefully we see more of this dominant 2020 kind of guy, uh, you know, than this guy who's chucking up 16 shots a game and, and really sort of torpedoing the offense. I think your observation about the shots is a great one, but I'm, I'm a little leery that this is just a, a hot streak from Andre. What, what I hope is that you're right and that he's completely, you know, excising those poor shots from uh, from his his uh, shot selection. But what I think is is we're seeing more of is he's just dominating the offensive glass, um, especially this week. Uh, he, he killed Nikola Jokic on the boards. Yeah. Um, you know, the Knicks aren't necessarily a team that's properly equipped to handle both like he and Blake on the offensive glass. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is a young guy with a lot of potential, but like he's really skinny and like Andre can just move him. And so uh, I'm concerned that once we see teams, uh, you know, dedicating more resources to Andre on the glass, uh, he'll get frustrated. He won't once he once he gets frustrated, he'll he'll look for opportunities to score uh, in his own way. And the, then we'll see the return of those, those poor shots. I, I do think that, you know, there's, there's possible counters to that. If teams are throwing a bunch of guys at Andre on the glass, like they're not, they're in the paint, they're not on the perimeter. Maybe this team can make some open shots finally. And if you, there's no chance for an offensive rebound, if you make all your shots, but uh, 
I'm I'm a little leery of uh, if Andre Drummond has like really just like turned the corner, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. I mean, I think definitely the last three games in particular, it's definitely a bit of a hot streak, right? I think the one thing that makes me a little optimistic is that it's really like over the course of 20 or so games, which is a big chunk of the season, that the field field goal attempts have gone down. But yeah, I mean, we have to watch it. If his field goal attempts stay right around 12, I think that's a good barometer among some others, not certainly exclusively, but a good barometer for where the offense is at and how it's functioning. No, that, that's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. Okay. Uh, we've talked about some things that we've liked uh, so far these last couple weeks. Let's talk about some stuff that we have serious questions about. And that's uh, that's the re- the rotation on the wing. Uh, we only have one game to go off of, uh, which is kind of good because the Pistons have had a bunch of days off and they need a, a lot of practice to integrate all these new guys. But uh, so far, uh, the game we did have, the wing rotation shook out like so. Uh, Langston and Bruce Brown started next to Reggie Blake and Dre. Uh, Langston played 20 minutes and Bruce played 19 minutes. Uh, Luke Kennard was the first guy off the bench and actually played the most minutes at 28. Then we had Kyrie Thomas at 20 minutes, Glenn Robinson III at 14 minutes, and Svi for a full 10 minutes. Uh, How how does that breakdown uh, look to you, Ben? Yeah, so some of it is going to mat- is going to depend on how we integrate Wayne Ellington, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, I like looting. I like Luke leading that group in minutes, and I like how aggressive he looked in those minutes. Um, missed more shots than I'd like, but I can live with that for right now uh, because he was aggressive, and I think he needs to be. Um, you know, I, I still don't love Bruce Brown as a starter. I think I'm sort of resigned to it, and I'm not going to be- beat the dead horse. But 19 minutes is okay. Like that, I can live with that. Um, and the rest of it, I, I just don't know. I mean, GR3 still hasn't really done anything to win me over. I like that Kyrie's getting some burn. I think that's a good thing. You know, like 10 minutes from Zvi, I didn't, I, I didn't even, I don't even have particularly an observation about him at this point. So, you know, yeah, I like Luke getting a lot of burn. Um, whose minutes Ellington takes and what positions he plays, um, I think is going to be pretty important. So I think that, uh, I think we, we saw Sfi do some nice things, uh, playmaking. He had a really nice drop off pass to Zaza. He had a really nice, a corner three, uh, for his first points, but that was well after the game was already decided. And so I think there's definitely potential for there to be a home for him in the rotation. Um, we saw Kyrie get elevated minutes, and he unfortunately he did he looked good, um, and he made a corner three. He had like a nice uh, transition take, but uh, he was he didn't do a great job of staying in front of and slowing down uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Smith Jr. had a really good game in that Friday game, and like that was part of the reason the part of the reason why Kyrie is out there is to guard guys like that and so I think if he's not if he's not successful in that way the coaching staff is going to reduce his minutes unfortunately um and we've seen that Bruce has been more successful defensively against guys like that and that's why you know that's why he starts to uh your chagrin Ben and my like understanding I'm also kind of resigned to it it was better when he was shooting like 40 percent from three from the corners (laughs) but yeah yeah um GR three, he did he did some stuff. He he shot the ball, which I was hoping to see him do. He made 
made a couple shots. Um, this really, he just needs to be more aggressive. We talked about this in the past, but, but Luke's minutes, Luke's minutes are really interesting to me because he did play the most, but because he came off the bench, he was allowed to be, he's allowed to be more aggressive. He was allowed to kind of seek his shot, especially next to guys like Thon who, and Svi who don't know the offense yet. Um, it's it's really a lot of the shot creation duties are going to fall on Luke on that second unit. And so I think despite the fact that he didn't start, I think the guy I was most encouraged by like him figuring out a role uh, despite the shakeup is Luke. And like that, that portends really well for the Pistons because like when Luke knows his role and, and feels like he's comfortable within it, like that's when he's played the best we've seen him play, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. All right, now now we can talk about Wayne Ellington shaking up all that stuff. Uh, where if if you had your way, you know, how would Wayne Ellington kind of fit into the rotation? So, can he play any small forward? Do you think? So, I was talking to some Miami guys on Twitter earlier today, and they were saying he is undersized and not a great defender. Yeah. And so, yeah. no, I don't think he can play small forward. Unfortunately, yeah. So, I guess kind of my my hope is that he absorbs some of um, the Langston Galloway minutes where Langston is really struggling. Um, Langston's so streaky. My hope would be that Ellington be, can be a little more consistent at the shooting guard spot. Um, to me, it would make sense to slide. If the plan is to bring Kennard off the bench, it makes sense to slide him in as the starter. Um, you know, you're still left with a hole at small forward. So I think maybe you slide Bruce Brown over to small forward when you can. He's probably also going to be a little bit undersized. Um, you mentioned Kyrie's defensive struggles. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to play him at small forward either. Um, so maybe that opens up some minutes for GR3 and Sfi. You know, which one of those two guys can win the minutes there, I think, is where the battle is at. Because I think, you know, Casey obviously really likes Bruce Brown, and, and that's cool. He does some really good things defensively. Um, if Ellington can't slide over, then I think, you know, GR3 or Svi is going to have to step up and play um, because there's a, there's a pretty big hole in the rotation right there. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how this plays out because I've, I view Ellington as simply just like a better version of Langston Galloway um, in, in most ways. But one thing that he doesn't have an advantage over is defensively, we know Langston uh, competes really well and like that's why he's gotten the nod. Uh, over other guys that we that maybe have shot better throughout the year, and so if you know we I get this intel from the guys in Miami saying that you know, like Wayne's not a great defender, um, I wonder how uh, the coaching staff is going to you know receive that information and what that means for his playing time. I do know that if uh, if the rotation is something like uh, Wayne Ellington and Bruce Brown starting, I think that's something that the Pistons can kind of like live with. Um, it, it'll be difficult against teams with more talent on the wing position. Um, it'll be difficult against like the, the Jason Tatums and the, um, and the Ben Simmonses of the world. They don't, they don't play Philadelphia again, but, uh, and they don't play Milwaukee again either. So you don't have to worry about Thank like, goodness. yeah, exactly. So you have to worry about like those teams. But uh, if you, I don't know if you run into a, uh, if you run into an Indiana with like a, a Thaddeus Young, or you you run into even even um, even like a Dallas. I know they don't play Dallas again, no, but I'm saying like if when when the time comes, like they'll they'll struggle to defend bigger guys on the wing. Um, that said, I think that there there's some hope 
that like if Ellington comes in and, and plays defense better than uh, others have projected him to, that we might just see kind of Bruce uh, relegated to like where Kyrie is right now. And so we'll see like a, an Ellington uh, Galloway or like an, an Ellington uh, GR3 starting lineup, something that like offers a little bit more size and ostensible shooting. And then we, we still see kind of Luke in that position, in that like Lou Williams position of like first guy off the bench, um, straight gunner and uh, offering kind of the, the best spot up guys around Blake Griffin uh, in the starting lineup. I know that uh, if Langston uh, continues to be as streaky as he's been so far this season, I myself would just like completely excise him from the rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's the that's the best path that I see moving forward, but I doubt the coaching staff agrees with me. Mm-hmm. So in order to sign Wayne Ellington, though, uh, the Pistons had to cut someone. Unfortunately, they did not cut Jose Calderon. <laughs> uh, they cut Henry Ellenson, uh, the you know 18th pick in the in the draft a couple years back. Uh, do you have a, a favorite a Henry Ellenson moment, Ben? I mean, he has to be like all NBA caliber at cheering for his teammates in a suit. (laughs) Like that dude is so excited when his teammates play well. So, you know, that's how I'm going to remember Henry Ellenson. It is, it is really unfortunate that a, the Pistons, uh, not only that they selected him at a position that they, you know, immediately went out and signed John Luer to like shore up. But that they did not consider like the long term ramifications of what it would mean to have a, a a stretch four who like couldn't shoot next to next to Andre Drummond, right? Like you you see the the outline of Henry and you like saw what he was supposed to be. Um, he wasn't even like a great shooter in college. Uh, he was a good rebounder, but like a positional rebounder, he didn't like leverage his athleticism that much. And like he was supposed to be this guy who could who could put the ball on the floor and, and attack a defense that way, but uh, you know it, it never quite worked out that way. And so I'm just I'm I'm really curious to see what the the next step of Henry Ellenson's NBA career looks like if it is if it even is an NBA career. Maybe it's just a basketball career. Maybe he you know goes to Europe and, and makes a killing. Maybe he uh, gets picked up by another G League team and you know gets to develop uh, in the G League. But uh, yeah, I think my favorite Henry Ellenson moment will have to be the uh, the lone block he got against the uh, the Houston Rockets. Six eleven guy, nice. one block in his career. Nice. Yeah. It's just it's so unfortunate that was just a wasted pick, and it shows kind of uh, it reflects really poorly on the Stan Van Gundy era that the only first round draft pick left on the Pistons from Stan Van Gundy's era is Luke Kennard. Yeah, that's that was my thought as well. When I saw this in our notes, like they they did not draft well in the first round at all, at all. And you know, I think it's it's something they're, they're definitely like. I hope they resolve. I mean, like we've talked about how they kept the pick and how like great that is, but like if they're still just going to like waste these picks, it's not it's not great either way. But yeah, okay. So that's uh, the the Pistons play Washington and Boston on the road this week. Uh, the That's the only two games they play. Uh, they play Washington tomorrow, and I think they play Boston on Wednesday. The All-Star break is – the All-Star game is a week from today, and the All-Star break takes up a big chunk of that. 
So we actually won't be recording next week because of the All-Star game. Uh, but because of that, uh, I think that the uh, the Pistons will be in pretty good shape with all the rest. Uh, only Blake will be, will be going, I think, to uh, Charlotte for all the events and stuff. Uh, so, Ben, uh, do you think the Pistons will be able to win the next two games, have a five-game winning streak uh, before the All-Star break to, to go in on a high note? Or, uh, yeah, what, what's up with that? So they better beat Washington. I mean, a team that's almost burning it to the ground in wake of um, you know John Wall's injury and then his other injury while he was injured. Um, Celtics are tough for the Pistons, obviously. I I only looked at the NBA headlines for a minute today. I thought I saw that Kyrie Irving maybe left a game, but I didn't see anything about his long term injury status. So he has a he has a knee strain, and I think the report was that he's day to day. I don't know. I don't know if they want to push him. Obviously, before yeah. such a, a long break in the action. Yeah, I would think. I think they just let him sit. Um, you know, Boston's a team that's underachieved this year. Still got a lot of talent. I don't think I can pick the Pistons to beat them, but uh, Boston's vulnerable at least, uh, and the Pistons have been playing well. So this, if the Pistons are going to beat the Celtics, this might this might be a good week for it to happen. That that's a good call. I will say though, uh, Washington. Um, I don't. You didn't. I don't know if you saw the the highlights of the Washington Chicago game. Which you know, why would you? It's a game between Washington and Chicago, <laughs> right? But uh, Jabari Parker was playing like a man possessed for the. Yeah, Wizards. I saw his. St- I saw his stat line. Was that just revenge, though? I don't know. That's that's a good question. It definitely had like a some some revenge tinge, if if that right. makes any sense. But like he, you know, he's one of those guys that is a bigger guy on the wing that the Pistons aren't necessarily super well equipped to handle i mean he's not he's not well equipped to guard anyone on the other side of the ball so there's there there's that but uh, i think that uh, the pistons may may struggle against washington more than we'd like them to this will be a good test for them washington should be trying to lose games like the knicks were but they uh they clearly have a lot more talent on the roster than than the knicks do and so uh yeah if, even if if they uh, the Pistons come out with a win, I think I'll be pretty pleased with that. If uh, if Kyrie doesn't play, I think they have a, a decent chance of beating Boston. They've already beaten Boston once this year, um, yeah. With the way that Reggie Jackson has been playing of late, and the fact that uh, Boston really plays so many wings that they don't, they, they're sticking like Marcus Morris on Blake. And so I think I'll have to rewatch the uh, the Boston game that they won to see if there's anything in particular they can take advantage of. But I think they they stand a decent chance in that game, uh, and you know that would probably put them in the playoff picture before the All Star break. Uh, with the standings uh, as they are, as I told you at the beginning, at the top, the, they're only a half game back of the eight seed, and you know only two and a half games back of the six seed. Uh, with with the way the standings are set up, with the way the Pistons are playing right now, do you think they're a playoff team? Gosh. They shouldn't be, right? I mean, they just shouldn't Against be. Against all odds. Yeah. I mean, the you look at the West, right, and how many losing teams are not playoff teams. And this look, this has been the case for years and years and years and years. But um, they've got a, a real chance against all odds. They've got, they, they've got a very real chance of getting there. It's, it's so weird to be five games under and, you know, coming off a three-game win streak from eight games under – and you know a single win or you know a couple more Miami losses will just put you put you in, in playoff position. I, if I remember the uh, 
the 538 playoff odds correctly, they gave the the Pistons like a, a 60% chance of making the playoffs, which again, yeah. after everything that's happened this season is, is pretty crazy to think about. But, uh, yeah. but even if they did make the playoffs, I think they had them projected to only win like 38 games, which again speaks to the conference imbalance more than it does the, uh, the quality of team the Pistons have been so far this season. However, I think that if, if they if they keep playing like this, if if we're really seeing Reggie Jackson be healthy for the first time in, in a couple of years, if we're really seeing uh, Andre Drummond excise some of the the poor shooting uh, shot selection from from his uh, from his game, if we're seeing the the coaching staff trust the rest of the roster to enough to diversify the offense around Blake Griffin. I think that this team can, can definitely make the playoffs. Uh, they still have two more games against Miami. Um, they still have a couple more games against Brooklyn. I think they've, they've already lost the tiebreaker with Charlotte, but I think they have one more game left against Charlotte and uh, Charlotte has not looked particularly good the, the last couple of weeks either. And so, you know, if, if the Pistons stock can rise at the same time, that other team's stock falls, you know, it, it makes sense that they'd be in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe this time, uh, the Pistons can actually close a year strong instead, instead of wilting near oh, the end. I would take that. It's been so many years of just brutal endings to the season. Yeah. So I would take that. And, you know, there, there's value, I think, that there's value in, in making the playoffs even, even as like a sub-500 win team that, that goes beyond like the, the couple games of playoff gate, uh, playoff revenue, uh, and, you know, the the appearance on national tv or whatever it's as as part of building a culture of winning uh, if you're if you're trying to do that it helps to you know actually win some games and right. so i think uh i think it's good for the long-term health of the piss of the pistons long term to actually to make the playoffs uh, to not you know falter down the stretch actually you know execute and play well and you know win some games in the clutch and establish uh, those winning ways rather than just like, you know, kind of floundering again. All right, Ben, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, what's the, what's you've been keeping up with Michigan basketball. You guys beat Wisconsin, right? Yeah, I, um, I'm just starting to dial into Michigan basketball a little bit. It's, it's February it's time. Um, prior to that, I just don't have the time to follow too many teams at once, but yeah, I'm going beyond box score watching to actually getting into the the team. I love John Beeline's offense. His, you know, he, he just does a, such a fantastic job of developing just a fluid offense, no matter what parts he has. I also love his approach to coaching in terms of being mostly about positive reinforcement, right? He's kind of the flip side of the coin of a Tom Izzo at the at Michigan State, who's you know, he's just really hard on his players. Uh, Beeline's the exact opposite of that. So I, I love what Michigan's doing. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what's the, what's the best place for people to talk to you about uh, Michigan basketball and and the Pistons? Oh, you know, Twitter's a good spot. I'm I'm making a conscious effort to dive into the comments a lot more on the blog. Uh, so hit me up either of those places. It's it's always fun to talk. And and of course, if you want to hit me up to talk about the Pistons or Michigan State basketball, I've been really encouraged by Aaron Henry's play of late. Uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with Foster Lawyer. He's like 5'10 out there, like running around doing stuff and like not all of it looks great. But if you want to, if you want to talk to me and advise me and work me through that, <laughs> uh, you can do so on Twitter at last chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. 
All right. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. We will not see you next week. We will see you uh, a couple weeks after that. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.